Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. We're going to share the experience of Gene from Enderf.org, Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website. And we'll go ahead and dive right in. I was 28 years old, single and living in Texas with my six-year-old daughter. I was extremely depressed, drinking heavily, and felt that my life had no direction or purpose. I had completely lost my way and forgotten an experience I had when I was three years old. At that time, a ball of white or gold light came into my bedroom and communicated with me. Telepathically, it told me I had something to do toward the end of my life. I do not remember what it told me to do, but I do remember saying to the light, That is beyond me. I can never do that. The light told me, You will grow into it. The presence in the light was sweet, soft, warm, loving, supremely intelligent, and totally good. So here I was at 28, a mile off track, the light experience forgotten, and my loftiest goal was to become a thin, or it was to become thin and marry a man with money enough to solve all my problems. One day I came home from work, exhausted, and lay down on my bed. My mood was bleak, and I completely relaxed into a make-the-world-go-away frame of mind. I almost immediately fell into myself, imploded. I experienced a sense of speed like being on a toboggan, a whooshing sound, and fell rapidly through a tunnel of blue satin light. At the end of the tunnel was a clearing, and in its center, a blue bag. The bag was organic and like the sack containing a baby, a birth sack. Its shape was organic and roughly pear-shaped with an opening at the top. I floated to the top of the sack, and when I did, knowings began to spew out of the bag. By knowings, I mean a complete four-dimensional understanding of a concept or idea without its coding of words. Have you ever heard something a hundred times and then one day you knew what it meant it's very difficult to describe my experience in words because it was pre-verbal anyway the knowings were popping out of the top of the bag as thick and fast as popcorn popping out of a pan i tried to grab some so i could take them back with me and put them to words so i could remember them but they were too numerous and happening too fast to get a hold of. I knew that what I found was the sum total of all knowing or wisdom of all people for all time, past, present, and future. All wisdom comes from this pool of collective knowledge, of collective knowing, and all we learn goes into the pool for use of everyone. I felt the blue bag and immediately found myself high above the earth. I could look down and view the curvature of the earth, its colors and shapes of its waters and continents. I was not only above space, though, I was also above time. I could see the movement of the people and ideas that had shaped and been shaped by history. At each period in history, I experienced the total feel of that period, including its music, architecture, styles of clothing, political thinking, and literature. It was like a vast march of people from different times with different worldviews working together. 
like removing the top of a gigantic piece of machinery and observing all the wheels, cogs, and pulleys working together. On the surface, we see none of this, but take the top off, take off the top, and we can see it. My vision took off the top. I knew that we are all connected with each other, like mountain climbers with ropes around their middles. When one of us falls, we pull the others down. When we climb up, we help others up. We are all in this together. I knew that what we observed as empty space between us is not empty. We're like marbles in a sheet of glass. You don't see the glass, you see the marbles, but the glass holds the marbles together. We are held together by an invisible substance that is around us and between us. It is invisible to us, but it is real. I saw that my life on this planet was not random. There is a giant plan. The plan, however, is on a scale that is incomprehensible to us. Our minds are too finite to grasp it. I was shown a ball that was convoluted and contained all surfaces. For years after my experience, I looked for someone who could explain this to me. I would take a strip of paper and twist and attach the two ends together. What is this? I'd ask. Finally, years later, I met a physicist who told me that it was a Mobius strip. I told him that I had seen a solid round ball that was like this Mobius strip. The physicist said that would be a Mobius solid. Pure mathematics has proven a Mobius solid can exist. He said, but our three-dimensional minds could not envision one. I told him I had seen one. He just shook his head. During my experience, I was told that all time is now and all space is here. I believe there was more to this middle part of my experience that will be revealed to me when the time is right. I moved from this vantage point into that beautiful blue light. I came into the picture from the right, front and slightly at an angle toward the center. Before me, there was a group of essences of people. If you refined a field of flowers to a single drop of perfume, that would be the essence of the flowers. These essences of people were like drops of water in a bucket of water. They were individual, but collective. They were grouped together in a triangle triangle shape, like bowling pins are set up with the apex of the triangle towards me. There was one essence that stood slightly in front of the others. I had the sense that this one spoke for the others, but was not in authority over them. As I came near, I was immediately aware that this group knew me better than I knew would than I ever would ever know myself, accepted me totally, and loved me completely. The love that came from them washed over me in waves and was so pure and strong. I could not bear it. I was one of them, and always had been. They knew it, and I knew it. The one slightly in front communicated with my heart and mind and told me I could not stay. I must go back. The presence felt masculine, although I did not identify it as any known spiritual figure. I begged him not to send me back. He told me firmly that there was something I had to do, 
but that they would be there for me and I could come back to them when I had finished my work. Immediately, I popped back outside and rose, uh, let's see, I, I think you mean, she means popped into my body and rose from the bed with a deep down anger that I was back here. For weeks, I was anger, angry at having to come back. But then I set myself toward doing whatever it was that I was supposed to do. This experience changed my life. And I had many worthwhile changes in my life as a result of having had it. I let go of some bad behavior and commenced a dedicated spiritual search that has taken me into all sorts of rich and interesting places. I have had visions since 1973 telling me what was going to happen between the years of 1990 and 1999. That's the end of Jean's experience. Interesting, isn't it? You know, I've heard many times in these experiences connections to um, mathematics and and formulas and patterns and so forth. And this one seems to have some of that. The whole thing about the Mobius strip and the Mobius solid is very interesting, I think. And it's interesting to me how when she sees this Mobius solid, if you will, she can comprehend it in that state. When she comes back and talks about it, you know, to this scientist friend of hers, she, you know, she's told the human mind can't picture it. It's just not picturable in the human mind, if you will. And so, and yet she was like, well, I can picture it. And I, and I think what she's saying is that I still have that vision in my mind of what it looks like. And I love the imagery that she gives of the bag. You know, I don't know what that is. I don't know. This seems to be an example of how sometimes things on the other side of the veil are seen and experienced as very real things, even though they are something of representations or or symbols of something. And, you know, you, you might conclude from that that they're just seeing a bunch of illusions, but I don't think that's necessarily... It, it may be true, but it also may be, you know, just like looking at the world around us is an illusion. Everything around us is an illusion. This couch in here is an illusion of a device that's sitting. Really, it's a bunch of particles based on cotton and, and wood and, you know, this configuration of things to suit a purpose. It's really not a thing of itself, if you will. And you could say that about reality in general, and it seems that you could say that also about the spirit world, but even more so in the spirit world because it seems that those things can be formed um, by thought in some way. And this bag that seemed to hold the entirety of human knowledge, everybody learns something and it you know, kind of goes into the community bag for everyone to draw from. I think for her, this was a way of visualizing what the light had to offer. Often you hear of people going into the light and standing or floating before this light, and it's just kind of pouring knowledge into them. This person, Jean, is given a physical representation of that in the form of what looked like a bag. Kind of interesting. And it's interesting that she 
talks about it as being like a sack containing a baby, a birth sack, which is interesting because, you know, just having a bag is interesting and symbolic enough, but having a birth sack implies this whole birth and life and eternity in some way uh, that perhaps a bag alone would not have conveyed. So, you know, and, and when you talk about symbolism and, you know, seeing numbers or, or whatever that they see, we, if we throw out anything that's just symbolic, quote-unquote, just symbolic, then we're actually doing ourselves a terrible disservice because even here, we stare at computer screens all day and read words, for example. And the fact is, those are not words. They are just a, you know, bunch of lights um, of different amounts and types that project different colors in different configurations. And so, you know, it's like, that is not the written word. That is not a, uh, a word at all. It's just a, it's just a bunch of digital pixels, if you will, that configure in such a way as to look like a word. Now, you might also say that's not a word, that's just ink scribbled on paper in a certain configuration, which sounds very, yeah, yeah, I understand some things are symbolic and some things aren't, but no, think about this. Uh, much of the world that we experience is symbolic. It is uh, a symbolic representation of something. And, you know, even this chair next to me, you know, we talked about how it's a composition of all these different substances. Well, it's also a representation of a certain activity that is intended by its existence. You know, sitting, relaxing, um, whatever. And does that make the chair any less real? Well, no. But if the chair, if the, if the event, if the need is there and it is to be met, it is to be met by an object that is represented by the shape, size, texture, whatever of a chair. And so it becomes a reality because of its need or because of our need for it. It's not that we're thinking a need, oh, I want you to sit down, where something and uh, ah, boom, you know, there's a chair. It's that this whole collective idea, you know, somebody thought of the idea of inventing a chair. I don't know how long chairs have been in existence, but somebody in, invented that idea and it entered the collective consciousness, sufficient to have people be, be making chairs for thousands of years. So, just because something is symbolic, just because it does have a, a representation that is independent of the, you know, physical matter or, or, you know, spiritual matter or whatever that is being presented doesn't mean it's not real. And perhaps it is even more symbolic than real, which is an interesting concept that, you know, maybe you can think about a little bit. Anyway, I found that interesting, and I like the analogy of the drops in a bucket. It's a, there's a oneness there that is, you know, a completeness, and yet each drop is an individual. You can't look at a single drop and say, 
that is not part of the whole. And yet you cannot also say that cannot be separated from the whole. You know what I mean? It's like it's part of this whole. And I think there's part of us. I don't know what part. Is it the spirit? Is it the intelligent consciousness? Or what? I don't know. But I think there's a part of us that is one with everyone else in a very literal sense. So, anyway, some interesting thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of these things. I'd love to hear your experiences. I'd love for you to share with us your near-death experience. You can email neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. You can also comment on the blog, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. And you can also um, send us or, or give us a voicemail um, by calling 970-NDE-CAST. Now, that will only give you three minutes. I would love to fix that. I'm trying. So far, no good. So, it'll only give you three minutes. You're welcome to call as many times as you need to and just keep leaving messages. Honestly, it, this is not coming to a phone of mine where I'm seeing these pop-ups, where I'm getting messages. I'm not being told ever when these messages come. I just come when, when I'm prepared to go and record a podcast, I go and I check my messages. And if there's 50 of them there and they are all, you know, voicemail, I'll piece them together and, you know, in the podcast and and we'll be able to listen to your message. So, take that how you will. You can also uh, send an MP3, which you can take with your smartphone or your computer. Smartphone's really easy. You just get a an app such as Easy Voice Recorder. Now, Easy Voice Recorder, I suggest because I've never had a device that it didn't, it wasn't available on. It records in a very simple format, a WAV format. It's low enough quality that it will be a small enough file to be able to probably send it. If you cannot send it by, you know, maybe you've got one of those two megabyte limit email senders or whatever, then. Uh, you may have to find another way to send it, such as uploading it to archive.org and sending me a link, something like that. I'm really good at, you know, getting a piece of audio and putting it into the format I need for what I'm doing. That's not a big deal at all. So whatever, whether it be Wave, um, Avi, I mean video, you could you could take a video and and send it to me or send a link to the video or whatever. And I'd love to include your experience, your thoughts, your comments, and your questions on the podcast. So with that, thank you all of you so much once again for listening.